0: There are certain types of skills, just tools that are easy and accessible that help our children regulate. And they're also tools that we use for ourselves. So when they see us, like, okay, like I'm frazzled, I'm trying to get that parking spot, for example. And they see us, okay, I'm just going to take a deep breath. You know, you take that deep breath, and then suddenly your kids in the back Mm -hmm. seat are like, okay it's okay it's gonna be okay right right right. (laughs) (laughs) okay she she sounds like she's going crazy but she's okay i'm safe and she's they see you trying to regulate yourself you know everything's okay my two and a half year old said to me the other day i think first he spilled something like all over the floor and i was like oh and then he said mommy you're safe (laughs) and he's two and a half yeah Wow, because that's, that's awesome. something that we talk about a lot. You know, when he's very nervous about something, you know, I'll reassure him, say, okay, we're going to work through this. We're going to figure out, you're going to come up with a solution for this. Right now, I want you to know you're safe. You don't have it figured out. You're worried, but it's you're safe. Now, he's two and a half, but he knew enough that when I had the situation, when he saw me respond, responding like that, he said it to me. I didn't prompt him to. Meaning we can teach our kids this right. through our engagement with them, through our interaction with them. And then they really can use the tools.
1: Welcome back to another episode of The Jews Next Door. We have an amazing opportunity this week to hear from Miriam Campbell, the founder of Skills for Connection, which provides parents and professionals with trainings and materials to support social emotional development, which is so fitting for this week's episode, where we dive into the practical elements of raising children with emotional health, raising emotionally healthy children. So first of all, thank you so much for, for taking the time. Really it's such an absolute pleasure to uh to talk with you today. And uh really a major thank you to you.
0: Thank you for having me here. It's like my passion. So it's so fun to be able to talk about what I love. So thank you. <laughs> amazing. Amazing amazing. So
1: let let's 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 dive, let's dive right in. What what would you say is is necessary for a parent to be equipped with in order to help their children's emotional health?
0: So I would say the first thing is a desire to be a growing person yourself. If you Mm -hmm. want your kids to be growing and have emotional health, then the place to start is always with ourselves because they are going to learn from us, just like they learned how to speak from us. They also learn about emotional health from us. So you're doing Mm -hmm. a really great thing by listening and checking in with this podcast because it's showing that you want to be a growing person. So If you're here- Nice little shout out for the podcast. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's true. Like, If you are investing your time and there's a hundred million things you could be listening to or watching, uh, you chose to do this, you're on the right track. Awesome. So
1: like, meaning, are you saying more than just modeling? Meaning not just that you are personally taking care of yourself or it's modeling it or are you saying a little bit of combination of both?
0: Whatever we're doing, our kids are seeing and picking up. Like so much more than what we talk about. It's what we're doing that they're going to actually be implementing and following. So you can totally. tell, Oh, by the way, I'm working on, you know, developing some of my own skills. Like that is direct instruction versus like letting them see you. Oh, you know, my parents go to sherin oh, my parents go to parenting classes. Oh, my parents go to, you know, mm-hmm. organization classes, whatever it is that you're doing to be a growing person, you're modeling development and modeling growth. And that is help. Health isn't that we have it all figured out. Health is that you are growing. Like that's what being alive so is. So what,
1: what does that look like in terms of emotional health?
0: So emotionally with like, you mean like, what does it look, what does the expression for, of it? Meaning for a
1: parent, meaning in terms of for a parent to be a way to, I mean, what does it look like for a child to be seeing their parent as working on their emotional health in a way that, oh, I should, you know. I, I need to be emotionally healthy too. And like that they see that model and therefore that's something that is going to be important to them and that value is going to be given over. to them.
0: Okay. So it's always like, as I said, like it's a, it's a parent first model in that when we uh, are experiencing our life and any of the challenges, the struggles, any of things we're anxious about, any things we're feeling nerve, you know, anxious and nervous, uh, you know, worried or Um, anticipating those things are registering in our brain, in our child's brain because they see us and they interact with us. So, like, when Mm -hmm. we are, you know, trying to drive in traffic and we're very uptight, that's being registered in our child's mind is like, oh, this could, this might be a, you know, concerning situation. They see, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the pot bubbling over and we like are like, ah, and we run to the stove. It's like registers in child's brain, you know, dangerous thing happening. Um, right, You know, right. when they see like us cooing at a baby, so whatever we're doing, they're going to be registering. So it's not really like it's when we talk about emotional health, it's not really like separate from anything else. That it's, it's involved and integrated in everything we're doing. You know, th- this is really why I work with parents because right. parents are the ones who are showing us how do we interact with our life. Emotions are part of our experience. They're part of the way we think. They're part of everything we're doing. So our parents who are showing us how to live. Or the people who are going to be showing us about emotional health.
1: Sure, sure, it's such a great point. It's totally a great point. So it let's, you know, getting in, into a, in a, in a practical sense, what does emotional health within a child look like? Where, and and I guess you know, I guess let's try to look at it in terms of like the different ages. You know, like starting a toddler, getting to like middle school age, then getting to high school, teenage, and then maybe even adult. Like, what is, what does that emotional health look like? At the, you know, to be an emotionally healthy child or teen, what does that what does that exactly look like?
0: So I would say um, really across the board, it looks like the capacity to be adaptable, the capacity to be able to grow and um, uh, sort of, you know, roll with the punches. When I say roll with the punches, I mean like, um, you know, baby is bouncing on the thing and the blanket got moved out of them. They can move their hand and readjust. The more emotionally stable they're feeling, the easier it is for them to adjust, the easier it is for them to adapt and problem solve and come up as they get older, or even, you know, a young child in their environment. That is like a really good symptom for us to see if our kids are really able to adapt. So that could be having a conversation at home versus having a conversation at a bar mitzvah, at their cousin's bar mitzvah with new cousins that they haven't really spent time with, or being able to adapt where um, the plumbing is out. Now, how, how hard, how hard is that for them? How hard is it when mm. they have a substitute teacher? That's going to give us indications of how is my child doing overall? The more adaptable they are, the more flexible they are, the more they're at a place where they have enough cushion in their emotional world that they're able to sort of pivot as needed. The more that, got it, got it. The, the less cushion they have, anything that dips into it sort of like makes them hit rock bottom. Sets they go them from, off you know, and like, yeah. got it. And I mean, parents will tell me like, oh, like my child's going from like zero to 10, like in an instant, like what's going on? Obviously there's other mm-hmm. components to take into account, but like that to me is an indication like, oh, they need to have like a general self sense of self or a general sense of uh, emotional safety or a general sense of understanding of their environment, you know, which is something that we work on with parents helping them develop those things with their kids. But that, sure. those that's like a, an indication to like, you know, if you're wondering like, oh, how's my child doing emotionally? Mm-hmm. That's Decatur.
1: Got it. Got it. Okay. That's very helpful. It's a great, great, like c- clear, concise, like definition of it. So would, are there practical things that parents can do besides for obviously the modeling of being someone who's adaptable, be someone who's, who has the ability to, to pivot, besides for just modeling that in their own life, life and how they deal with different frustrating situations or whatever it is, are there practical things that, that a parent can do? you know, either tools or techniques or scripts or, you know, that, that, that they can give to their children to be able to really help their children to be able to, you know, get past those situations or whatever it is.
0: There really is. And it's not like there's like, oh, one size fits all. It really is when you understand the psyche of people, you know, like the constructs that I teach are the same constructs I teach for preschool when I'm teaching, you know, a school of professional development educators, or if I'm teaching high schoolers, or if I'm doing one-on-one coaching with parents. Because they're core constructs about how we think, how we work cognitively, mm-hmm. how do we process information, how do we uh, understand our environment, how do we relate to our environment, how do I uh, change things in my environment? Um, but so there are specific constructs that you can learn about how to engage with your child. So like let's say your child um, struggling with a you know a specific skill, you'll you can have that you can be empowered to know okay this is what I can do in this specific case.
1: Got it. So, can you give us, let's say, take us, take us through th- some of those, let's say.
0: So, like, let's say, like, uh, emotional regulation, for example. Mm. So, that's like, uh, again, it's always going to be parent first modeling. So, the first thing we're going to do is make sure that we are modeling regulation, regulatory behaviors. And mm-hmm. there are specific tools you can use when you're trying to help your child regulate. So, let's say, thinking about mirror neurons, like, let's say they're, you know, or the brain model where the lower, uh, lower they are in their Like if you think about the hand model, Dan Siegel's hand model, where like down here is like mm-hmm. viable reptilian and you have your emotions and as you go higher, you have higher brain functioning all the way to like your logical reasoning, executive functioning type of skills. So the lower right. you are, the more reactive you are in that place. There's less language. So when you're trying to help your child to regulate in this place, you're not going to try and tap into your language constructs you're going to tap into your constructs of safety. So that would look like mm. breathing. So you would face, you know, stand across your child, breathe in deeply. And from a neurological, biological survival thing, your child will very often imitate that. Um, teaching uh-huh. them how to hug themselves. So that way their body has a physical message of I'm safe. A 20 second hug, you know, research shows, helps send that message to the body. You are safe. Um, there are certain types of skills, just tools that are easy and accessible that help our children regulate. And they're also tools that we use for ourselves. So when they see us like, okay, like I'm frazzled, I'm trying to get that parking spot, for example, and they see us, okay, I'm just going to take a deep breath. You know, you take that deep breath and then suddenly your kids in the back Mm -hmm. seat are like, okay. Okay it's okay. It's going to be okay. Right, right,
1: right.
0: (laughs) Okay. She she sounds like she's going crazy, but she's okay. I'm safe. And they see you trying to regulate yourself. You know, everything's okay. My two and a half year old said to me the other day, I think first he spilled something like all over the floor and I was like, oh, and then he said, mommy, you're safe. (laughs) And he's two and a half. amazing. Yeah. Wow. Because that's, that's something that we talk about a lot, you know, when he's very nervous about something, you know, I'll reassure him, say, okay, we're going to work through this. We're going to figure out, you're going to come up with a solution for this. Right now, I want you to know you're safe. You don't have it figured out. You're worried, but it's, you're safe. Now he's two and a half, but he knew enough that when I had the situation, when he saw me respond responding like that, he said it to me. I didn't prompt him to. Meaning we can teach our kids this right. through our engagement with them, through our interaction with them and then they really can use this, the tools.
1: Totally. You know, I don't know if you're familiar with, uh, the new, the newer Uncle Moishy's, uh, Baruch Hashem song, but, uh, I, I yeah. find it to be like a perfect script for a kid because like I, I had it, I had it with my son where w- one time we forgot his, his bag at home. And, w- and when we, I dropped him off at school and I realized, oh, I was like, oh shoot, I'm so sorry. I forgot your bag at home. And he's like, no matter what comes your way, Abba, everything's going to be okay. Baruch Hashem. And it was literally word for word what the song is. And it's like, he had this script in his head of exactly what Uncle Moshi says. No matter what comes your way, it's going to be okay. Baruch Hashem. Yeah. And I was like, the, the, wow. The like, first script. of all, love you, Uncle Moshi. Thank you very much. That was awesome. And like, but like, exactly like you're saying, like giving them the, like, when we listen to that song a lot and, and, and actually like now I try to like listen to it with them on the way to school. Cause like try to like remind them like, no matter what comes your way. It's going to be okay. No matter like to give them that ability to like, to be able to pivot, to be able to be flexible. So that's, uh, that's, that's awesome. I love that.
0: Yeah. Um, and one of the things I just want to add, to that, I did say both of them to him. Like I said, like you're concerned about this and you're also safe where we can experience two mm. emotions. We are inherently safe and we're also worried. So usually I'll start with the worry because at that moment, that's what they can connect to more easily. That's what they're experiencing. Right, that's right. what their, their blood those hormones of adrenaline, uh, you know, the, uh, the cortisol, like it's, it's, that's what it is. It's fear, you know, whatever, however they experience it, you know, some kids like will sweat. Some kids will face, will turn red. Some kids will start clenching. Like you can, you'll notice your child's uh, reactions when you, when you pay attention to it and be curious about it and start there because they'll hear you more when they first see like, Oh, they understand me. They get where I'm coming from. Suddenly they're going to tune in and be like, okay, you know, I have this emotional regulation thing. And one of the visuals I use is like, they're sort of throwing them a lifeline where it's like, I now, the situation didn't change. The whatever, you know, terrible thing that has happened in their life. And obviously sometimes it really is terrible, but sometimes it's, you know, their ice cream fell, which is very terrible. (laughs) But that calamity that they're experiencing, you threw them a a lifeline, not even that, oh, I'm going to get you a new ice cream, but just I'm a lifeline of my parents with me. The parent sees right. me. It's
1: like a validation of like, I, I feel seen, I feel heard.
0: Exactly. And it also gives them an opportunity right. to label that emotion. So then later on, when we are talking about in some type of, you know, storybook or, you know, when in, you know, her, song, she's saying, it's like, I'm worried. Oh, oh, that was worry. You know, like it gives them that. Mm, it's very helpful. That anchor. Yeah.
1: So you're saying being able to give children the ability to, to both label their emotions first, like first, first and foremost, to, to feel, to feel validated, to feel heard. And then being able to give them the proper either terminology or the words to be able to kind of label their emotions. And then giving them some sort of technique that they, either they see you doing it, like that deep breath or what, whatever that is. That That's your, that's like a model you're saying.
0: Right. So like, um, I, I spell it out and explain it more concretely with the I see. I think I feel I choose model, but that's the idea. Um, one of the pieces of when, when you label it, um, I'm blinking on, uh, his name, he's involved very much in somatic work. He always says, name it to tame it. When you actually put Mm -hmm. a concrete uh, container for this experience by putting a label on it, this is, right. and parents very often are like, I don't really want it to call, I don't want to call it that. I don't want to say that they're fuming because I don't want to encourage it. And maybe if I give it attention, then it's going to encourage it. But research actually shows that when you Hold it with them, and you allow them not to take care of it for them, but hold it with them, like sort of letting them see what it is. They actually are more, you know, capable and taming it. It helps them take care of that experience, or even know right. what that experience is, which is so powerful. Right, right.
1: That's amazing. You, and you, you just mentioned that you, you, you term it a little differently. You have like a model that you said. What would like see it, name it.
0: I see, I see, I think, I feel, I choose is, um, right. It's so what is that? So I have like all these constructs that help us understand because, because like, it's not like the type of thing where it's okay. When in this situation, when your child's lollipop gets dirty and that was after the balloon that they were holding, you know, flew up and after their sibling sat in their seat in the car that they <laughs> right. wanted to sit in. Like, it's not like, a specific, right, right. You, you know, we all have to be able to be adaptable in how we understand what's happening with our children. But there are specific tools of patterns that we know that we experience. So like I see as we see the information, what is the concrete information that's happening? And then we have a thought about it. So that's like CBT-ish type of thing. And then the feeling Mm -hmm. connected. And then what are you going to choose? That's like a separate concept of like, we have responsibility or we have empowered to have choice. We have the hira actually in this space to decide what I want to do with it. So, you know, I saw that she took my, she colored all over my report. I'm thinking this is the worst thing that could ever happen. I'm feeling completely devastated and furious and I choose to slap my sister or right. I choose, you know, and, and sort of helping them see that I still have choice in that space. Um, which is it's right, a very advanced right. thing and and but basically, the idea is that when we have these contracts in our mind that we help our kids work through whatever situation comes up, whatever the experience right. is they're equal to work through
1: and are you are you is that something that you explicitly like talk through your children with? like you show them like the contract like i i i feel I hear this and then I feel this, and then i you go through that with them because like in in a real like like kind of like in like a class type of way or it's more like Natural, like how does that how does that exactly work for a parent to do?
0: So, like that when I work with a child or with a parent whose child is seeing a therapist or ha- is seeing has more one that you know one to one tutoring, I very often recommend that their teacher or a therapist or tutor learns this terminology and is able to use it because mm-hmm. they can use the same construct when they're analyzing a book and the same sure, construct sure. having right. a meltdown about their math homework being too hard or whatever it is. So, as far as like if I actually use the visualization. I have some parents who keep it on their fridge. My kids are too young right now to be able to do,
1: uh-huh.
0: uh, do the visualization, but I do work with parents who they have it on their fridge. And sometimes they'll point it out for their kids who, especially the kids who struggle with language, they use that visual support. Um, and sometimes it's like fun. Like, you know, I have a lot of parents who have like date time and they'll be like, oh, let's do I say, I think I feel I choose about the birthday party or let's do I say, I think I feel I choose. And uh, it becomes like a format, cool. but it it is like, most of the time, parents are just using that construct in their mind and actually saying out what they see. Yeah, like, yeah. I see your arms are folded. Sure, your sure, brow sure. is furrowed. You're looking down. I think something's bothering you. I feel concerned. I choose to ask mm-hmm. you. They're not going to say that I see. I think I feel I choose to say like, oh, your arms are folded. Yeah, right. Is something bothering you? I'm feeling concerned for mm-hmm. you. You know, is everything okay? So it's kind of like
1: on? teaching a child also how to, how to like read the room a little bit.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So that same construct is how we teach them body language. It's the same construct that we teach them emotional identification. Mm-hmm. It's eventually what we use when we're trying to understand perspective taking, when you have your own experience. So that's your construct. That's your self. Now what's happening in the other self? So it's that same, because that's how mm-hmm. people, that's, that's the process. That's what I'm saying. But when I talk about like getting into like the core of people's psyche, that's really what it is. It's like how do we all live? Like, it doesn't really change so much when we're 80, you know, as Hashem, and when we are three, it's the same process. We just hope that right. we're be better at choosing.
1: <laughs> hope so. I hope so. Yeah.
0: Sure, <laughs> so sure. Cool. Well,
1: so this, that, the, that what we were just talking about was more within how to how to help children to be able to. Read others' body language or even their own, like what's going on. How do how can we parents help their children to be able to, let's say, emotionally regulate or self-regulate?
0: So that type of thing where like we help them identify their emotion, that's really the 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 tool the tool of it. So like you're gonna use like the eye to eye thing to help them get to a place where they could even have language. Uh-huh. You're gonna rely on the physical uh, you know, the mirror neurons for them to see you breathe and then mirror that breathing. You're going to, you know, do that the touch. If that, you know, the lack of touch is what they need, or they need the touch to get to a place where they have enough blood flow in the language zones, you know, which is over here. It's not all the way in the front, but it's like pretty high up in the brain. Um, right, There right. used to be a certain amount that they could hear you. So trying to talk to a child and reason with them and problem solve with them when they are just shrieking and kicking the floor is very frustrating for everyone involved because it doesn't work because right. there isn't blood flow over there. The most I would say that you could do in that space is use your language to tell them what it is they're experiencing. You are so upset that she, um, you know, took your thing without asking and broke it. You know, you are so upset. You're so frustrated. You are so disappointed and you're so, I see you're so disappointed. I see you're so disappointed. Mm -hmm. Say it again and again till they feel like, okay, like, Contained more in their experience. Right. They are, they are, their experience is that big. So the more you say it, and the more you're containing it, creating a space for it. Sometimes, like, I'll ask my kids, right. like, you're so disappointed. Like, can you show me how disappointed you are? Or is disappointed this much, this much, this much, this much, this much? They're like, uh-huh. here to the sky, <laughs> here to the airplanes. <sighs> I'm disappointed here to right, the airplane. Right. You know, and, and then usually, like, even that's like, they're able to contain it. Just it just helps better. them
1: break it down a little bit, right? Yeah, right. I'm
0: not even fixing it for it's them. Not. They can fix it for themselves usually. They usually are very good at problem solving. They're, you know, unless that's a place where they struggle, which is another thing to talk about. But, sure. you know, that it's It's know, interesting because
1: regular- one, one of our listeners called in, uh, you know, a question asking, you know, I have a child who just gets so stuck on their emotions and like they, 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 they feel so much and they just don't know how to get past that point. So it kind of sounds like in a way like doing this would, would help them. Is, is there anything else that you would recommend in that type of situation?
0: I would also help them reframe it for the parents' sake and for the child's sake. It's an incredible koach mm-hmm. to have strong feelings. It's a truly incredible koach. I'm not just trying to blasé it. It's also challenging, just like every gift we have. But a person who has incredible depth of feeling also has, it's an incredible power because we know that feelings are so much of what motivates us and moves us. So you have a child that has big feelings. That means that you have a child that really has capacity to really do a ton in their life. And we have this incredible opportunity to be the ones that are sort of guiding them in how they feel about their feelings. Do they have shame and guilt? Right. Oh my gosh, I'm so dramatic. Oh my gosh, there's something wrong with me. Um, why can't I be more good? Why can't I be more, you know, that internal feeling of that is normal. And I, and I just want to say- Right, right. Not that it's easy for the parents always, but that reframe is very, very empowering. So then when our child is melting down, this is our opportunity. It's not like, oh, this meltdown is getting in my way of going to the chasana that we're running late for, which it might be. But it also, aside from that, is the time when your child is now learning about their emotions and learning about how they can interact when they're so frustrated when their mother-in-law, you know, in the future at some point, did this very upsetting thing and they, you're now giving them the opportunity of the tools to figure out how to cope with emotion. Oh, let me figure mm. out what's going on. What is it that we see? It's a great it?
1: way of like looking at it. Wow. I love it. I love it. Yeah. It's amazing. Just to like, look at it as like, this is an opportunity. It's amazing.
0: And it's hard because we're such functional people. <laughs> and right. mean, not always sometimes dysfunctional, but we're so much about like dinner has to be served and it does and bath time has to happen and laundry has to happen and homework has to happen and we have to catch the bus or get to the carpool before they honk for the sixth time or you know, <laughs> their, shirt ha- their backpack has to be zipped or all the stuff's gonna fall out. You know, right. pressure, function, 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 function. And these are things that are so important. But when we put that emotion at an equal level of that and say like, okay, like when they're feeling good they're actually gonna also function better. Like a child who is like feeling you know, safe in their body is going to be able to focus more and be able to actually follow directions more. If you want to think about it from right. a practical perspective,
1: yeah, yeah, no, it's very true. It's very true. Pivoting a little bit, you know, on our topic of pivoting, you know, another aspect of of an uh, of an emotionally healthy child, I, 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 you know, is a lot of their their social interactions and their ability ability to have healthy and positive social interactions. How can parents help their children develop social skills? Just like the ability to, to be able to communicate best, both with, both with their parents and also with friends and the ability to feel comfortable in a new social setting to just go over and introduce yourself, to go over and make new friends, starting a new school or starting in a new camp or when you, you know, or whether you're talking about young children or old children, older children, how does that, uh, you know, how can parents help their, help their children in those situations?
0: So first of all, parents are the ideal person to be the one who is doing this work with their kids. I did um, social skills work with kids as a speech therapist, as a social worker, one-on-one for years. And again and again, (laughs) I saw that progress that's made when parents are involved is like, you can't even compare because social skills isn't... um, My math teacher um, in middle school, I was not the best math student. Uh, He would always say, uh, Mary, math is an observational sport. <laughs> it's something you actually have to <laughs> do in order to learn it. <laughs> so if that's true about math, right, it's right. Not much more about social skills. So like if a child is trying to do, develop their social skills and they're sitting in, you know, even a one-to-one session, even if they're doing social stories and even if they're doing, you know, where they're thinking about what it would look like, where they're acting it out with puppets, those things are really good. Like if, let's say they're doing, so those, those are helpful, but What really is helpful is when parents are the ones who are, who are working with their kids. Like it's, there's no shortcut to actually doing it. I wish there was for math, but there isn't. And there isn't for social skills either. Like it just, it's, it's, uh, the skill, the skills that they need are the ones that they're actually practicing when their sibling, you know, wants to come into the room and they're getting dressed and the sibling's banging down the door and they can understand why Mm -hmm. is she driving me crazy? And be able to practice perspective taking and practice, um, you know, when they're at that kiddush on Shabbos or whatever it is, all the different interactions that we have a hundred bazillion times a day, all the interactions are our playing ground to practice for when we meet new friends and when we go to a new school. Um, And again, like we can talk about it with our kids. Like we could talk about it overtly, but the, and, and sometimes even after the fact, like, oh, you know, I saw that you know, you met that cousin, what are things that, you know, you could ask her about tomorrow when you see her in the morning or beforehand, if you know, they're nervous. Like, um, I'll have parents that'll say like, every time my child meets somebody, they always say like, hi, what's your name? Because they want to connect. They just don't know what to say after that. So like, or or they'll try and like hug everybody. And they're like, everyone's like a little bit, oh, why is she touching me? You know, stop stop touching Uh me. But Really the child's just saying, I want to connect. So then the parents have an opportunity Mm -hmm. to practice. Okay. Like, so first we could ask them what their name is. Then we maybe ask them what they're, where they're from, try and notice a topic, something that's interesting to them or something that's obvious about them. And part of that is when we, when we're really doing that, see, I think I feel like choose model helps us learn how to notice what's going on in other people's worlds, which is a prerequisite to know what to talk to them about. You know, like that's Where the, the weather conversation comes because everyone experiences the weather, but that means the weather's happening in someone else's world. But
1: right, that's right.
0: underlying if you're thinking about what's actually happening. Like, what? So, the more you understand about, okay, well, what, how does conversation work? If that's, if that's something that your child's struggling with, then you can learn, then you can know, okay, this is the type of topics I could discuss with my child beforehand to practice with them.
1: Got it. Got it. So, it's, it's, it's they're always going to be getting the practice, but it's kind of helping them to either. Have some scripts that they know like what to do going into it or yeah. giving them some practice, even like practice runs with you of like what you can talk about.
0: Yeah. And then there's all like the the more that they're hearing it all the time. Like if you talk about perspective taking all the time and let's say using the IC, I think I feel I choose like model for yourself. And then the IC, I think I feel I choose like model for them. Like, oh, mm-hmm. you're baby sister. What is she, you know, what does she look like? Oh, she looks like her, her eyes are shut and there's tears coming out of her eyes and she's screaming. And what do you think she's thinking? Oh, get off of me right now. Mm. And how's she feeling? Very defenseless. You know, that's what's happening in your baby mm. sister world. From your world, you're thinking, my baby's so cute. And you're thinking you love her. You just want to hug <sighs> her and all day. And you're feeling so much love. But what's happening in her perspective and sort of talking about that as like a way of living, a way of talking about perspectives, you know, from your perspective, you are so hungry, you're so excited for dinner and you keep on saying it. What's for dinner? What's for dinner? What's for dinner? From my perspective, right. and and again, you have to be careful that how you do that because we don't want our kids to be responsible for our feelings, but it's also a lot an you know, important thing to teach them. There's another perspective here.
1: Sure, sure. Wow, that's that's very powerful. That's extremely powerful. Wow. What about you know giving them the ability to or helping them to give to to give them the skills to be able to communicate their emotions because that's like a whole another level. I Meaning not just social skills. But their emotions, which is something that they, like, they know there's something that they're feeling, but they don't know what's going on. Or they know that, they know exactly what's going on, but they don't even know how to communicate it.
0: Yeah. So, so again, like using the constructs that we have, as far as I see, I see, and then labeling the things that externally you could tell about the emotion. Or if let's say you held your child while they're Mm -hmm. screaming, you know that their body temperature is hot. You know that they're sweating a little bit. I see you're sweating. I see that you're getting hot. I see that you're, you know, there's tears running down from your mouth. I see your mouth is open wide and you're wailing with all of your might. You you look, you know, and then like, oh, I think you are fuming. <laughs> I think uh, you are aggravated. Right. I think you're so disappointed. I think you're so frustrated. Right. And you give them that emotional language within that construct. They start learning about that experience. They start, oh, that's right. that experience. Oh, okay. Instead of being like, it's right, okay, right. honey. We could just fix this or, you know, move on, you know, whatever it is that would be more practical, but not necessarily more traditional.
1: Sure. Yeah. I remember one time one of my, one of my children was like, like, "Mm," and I'm like, are you trying to tell me something? Are you trying (laughs) to express that you are happy? Are you frustrated? Are you sad? (burp) And, and then, and then they got it, but like, oh, I need to actually like use my words, like use my words to tell you what's, what's going on right now. So
0: yeah. it's a, it's and a, sometimes like they don't know which word to use. So like um, offering them options, especially when there's not so much blood flow happening over there, is, could be very helpful. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes we could say yeah. like, "You seem tired?" Question mark in your voice, where they can be like, <laughs> "I'm not tired. I am so mad that you know you're said I had to go to sleep now, <laughs> like or whatever it is. Right? Which is right. why I'm telling you to go to sleep because you're so tired." But anyway, <laughs> Uh, but that, exactly, you know, giving exactly. them that, that label, what they are experiencing, because you want it to be honest with what they're experiencing, because that way they'll know. Like, um, uh, I remember, I had um at one point during my education a teacher that uh stormed out of the classroom. You know, we were a bunch of girls, we were talking in class, and he stormed out, and um, and then the window was open, and one of you know one of my friends were like, oh, he's so mad, like he's mad or something like that. And he heard. So he like opened the door and like blew up and he's like, I am not angry, slammed the door like the whole wall. Shook <laughs> now, <laughs> first of all, it's a little bit scary for everybody. But aside from being scary, sure. which sometimes our kids experience fear when we aren't regulated. But aside from being scary, like when we tell our kids, like, I'm not angry with you. Like, oh well, please, you're angry. Let's call a spade a spade. <laughs> So right, we don't right, right. want to be angry because we don't feel like that's really the way we're supposed to be responding, but we are angry. And so it's okay for us right. to get labels even to our own emotions. Like, I'm so frustrated right now. I need to take a deep breath, you know, and they will know it's because they haven't listened to the last 10 times you said something or they might not know that. Right. They might say, why? You know, <laughs> um, but to even just label like, whoa, I'm frustrated. And that'll also help us <laughs> to
1: sure, sure.
0: make an attainment. Sure.
1: Yeah, that's that's great. If, um, if, if a parent, you know, obviously children have different natures and let's say you have a child that by nature is, is more anxious. So what, what can a parent do in that type of situation? Obviously you, this model, the model that we've been discussing obviously will be very helpful, but how, how can a parent help their child who is anxious by nature be less anxious?
0: That is such a good question. That's such a beautiful question because. Everything that a parent wants is for their child to be happy and healthy and feel wonderful. And that's what we want for our kids. We do. We don't really ever want them to have any negative experience ever in our hearts of hearts. I mean, if we think about it, we're like, okay, probably it's good for them. And But really, we just want it to be good for them. Ironically, the best thing we could do for them when they're experiencing anxiety is teach them how to be okay with the anxiety. Where... You know, if you ask a therapist, like, how do you know if somebody's like recovered from anxiety, quote unquote? Um, and the answer is, is that they learn to be okay with their anxiety because anxiety is either it'll express itself in this way or it'll express itself in that way. It's something like integrally that's a human experience. Fear is a human emotion, and it's mm-hmm. actually be even a sign of intelligence that they're thinking about the future or they're thinking about you know, it's it's interesting. Built and it's innate. It's something that it's. It's it's a good, sometimes we need to be afraid. It's a good tool. It's a good skill that we have when we have. So you're saying
1: rather than trying to like fight it, it, you got to just embrace it a little bit.
0: Right. And it doesn't therefore mean like, okay, so I'm afraid that if I go outside, then, you know, I remember like when I was a kid, like it was like all the bombings in, in Israel. And like, I didn't want to go to any public Jewish event because I was scared that there would be a terrorist attack. Now. There were many right. events you missed, like the Perm Parade and like a lot of things that I missed because I was too afraid to do it. So that's like when the fear is getting in the way of like normal functioning, because that is pretty normal. Like there wasn't, you know, I grew up in Atlanta, there weren't Bar Hashem, you know, terrorist attacks there. Um, it was a fear-based thing right. that was based on whatever it was that I was hearing as a kid. And that was just how, you know, how it was. But what happens is, is when we learn to live with our fears, and we're able to, instead of saying like, "Oh, don't be worried, honey. You don't have to be afraid." It's like you ever see like a spouse like sitting at the front at the wheel at the wheel at the in the car, and other one say, "Calm down, honey. Calm down." Like, are you <laughs> right. if there's anything that will <laughs> calm down, it's you saying, "Calm down." <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> like a fire coming out of the rim. smoke out of the ears. but um. <laughs> When we have anxiety and we we tell them like don't have this anxiety now suddenly this anxiety is also something to be nervous about it's this bad thing that's happening mm-hmm. so not only is the situation also happening. So you're saying have, it like
1: builds it up even more right right, right.
0: That, oh my gosh now if we just ex- like accept it it could sort of like happen and go that doesn't therefore mean the thought changed we might still need to have a reasonable conversation with them you know be like okay so where first we would do like that I see like okay so where are you experiencing it in your body where is the anxiety happening right now. Your stomach is tense. Mm-hmm. I remember I at one point had a student um, who every day she was very, she, she had, I, I was like an assistant in the class and she was very, uh, I was an assistant in a bunch of places. So don't think it's you if you're listening to this, but um, um, <laughs> there was a one of the teachers they were, this child was very afraid of and the child had like literally developed ulcers, you know, holes in their stomach because of anxiety. Oh, wow. Oh so, my gosh. Yeah. So it would be helpful for this child. I mean, aside from more conversation and more support that's needed, but they, to even just be like, okay, so where is it in your body? Oh, well, it's right here. Okay. Let's hold it. Let's take, respect it. Let's take care of it. Let's listen to what it's saying. It's saying that the, you're very afraid. It's trying to protect you from something. You're afraid that this teacher is going to get you in trouble and then what's going to happen. And then once mm-hmm. you have that space, once you're, then you have the place for them to sort of explore and talk out what it is that they're afraid of. I'm afraid that the monster, under my bed is going to come get me. That's what you're afraid of, okay? Now, once you're in cognition, because they they found it in their body, they process in their body, and now they're in their mind, they're at higher level functioning, then you could say, what do you think would help you? And you're again, you're still giving it to them. This is all them, because you don't want them to have to mm-hmm. rely on you to save them. Meaning, You, know, sure, you sure. can say, uh, what will help you? Oh, mommy's going to fight away all the monsters, and that's them calling upon you, but it's not like... I got this fear. You know, I I got this taken care of. Right. It's their sort of like coming up from what would be a solution for them. And some things are not surprising what would be a solution, you know, and and we can support them with other ideas. But I would say the first thing is like, don't be afraid of the anxiety label. Oh, you're feeling nervous about this. Okay. We're allowed to be nervous about this. It's trying to protect you. And let's say thinking about IFS, like internal family systems, thinking about like what, what um. Is this doing for you? How is this helping you? This is trying to protect you from, so then, okay, is so there any other way that you think that maybe you can make sure that you don't get in trouble other than, you know, you know, crying at home or is there, an, right, and right. maybe, you know, maybe they need other support and there's more to talk about there. But I would say this first step is making it be something that isn't scary. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sounds good. Sounds good. That's uh, that's very helpful. And and I guess like somewhat connected to that is sometimes when a child has a lot of anxiety, so sometimes they're less self confident. So I mean, connected but somewhat different. Are there other things that you know a, ch- uh, a parent can do to help their child feel more confident when there's someone who is lacking in confidence?
0: Yeah, very good question. So um, there's there's that there's internal confidence and there's external confidence, and sometimes we need both. There's like a big push nowadays for it all to be internal. But I think mm-hmm. like there's a lot of places in the Torah where it talks about like Hashem's reaction to what we're doing, which means there is an external uh motivator that is important. You know, like if Hashem sure. like, love when we have a carbon, like it's a- externally, right. we're getting that affirmation, this was a good thing. Or, you know, Hashem's anger burned, like he had an experience outside of this. Like there is also, there, there's, there is an external place and there's a big push nowadays, like, oh, it should all come from internal. A child should be internally motivated. Um, so I'm, I would say there's two ways. One is to build up the child's internal motivation. Uh, Robertson Gottlieb, um, Robinson Heller Gottlieb, talks about how there's like no shortcuts to developing self-esteem, confidence, self-esteem. Uh, the sure. child actually has to succeed in order for them to feel like I can be successful. Like you tell them, oh, you're successful, you're successful, you're successful. They'll be like, my parent is delusional, and they might stop trusting you. <laughs> what you're saying, and then sometimes we'll see behaviors like, oh my right, gosh, right. You're the best big brother, because right that minute they share their, their thing, and they know they just slapped their brother two minutes ago. Like then, suddenly they're going to see a worse behavior because they're like, that's not true. So we don't exaggerate mm-hmm. their their right, uh, right. thing. But let's say they see that they're actually experiencing success. So this means like either you're giving them opportunities for success or they already have built-in opportunities for success. Oh, I see that you pulled your chair all the way up. Your food all went all into your mouth. None of it's on your lap. None of it's on your shirt. I see that um, mm-hmm. uh, your your bag is zipped the whole way. You know, like uh, all your homework is, uh, ready, is ready to go in the morning. I see that you got out of bed without, you know, me needing to get you. Or I see you got out of bed right away when I got you. Or I see that you got out of bed right. back in time. That was so much faster than yesterday. So they actually see their successes and that is from externally. And we can only do it if we actually see them as like, as good, <laughs> you can't, you right, can't right. say words that you didn't think of. <laughs> you have to have thought totally, of it, you totally. really have to have seen it. So it's, that's the part from ex- externally, a lot on the parent to notice where they're succeeding and point that out to your child. And don't exaggerate, totally. but with the really what happened.
1: Awesome, it's great, it's very good, very, very helpful. I want to go back to a topic we 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 spoke about this in the beginning, but going a little bit of a different route. You know, we spoke about in the beginning about how one of the main, the first points when it comes to raising emotionally healthy children is, you know, the parents and how, how our emotional health is. So what about if a parent, let's say, doesn't, um, is, is struggling with their own emotional health? So then how can they then raise an emotionally healthy child? Meaning, is it impossible at that point? Because, you know, you were saying it's like such a crucial component. So, but, but, you know, one of our listeners is, you know, struggling right now and wants to know what, what can they do? What, 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 you know, what, what, what can someone do at that point? Or is there anything they could
0: do? Yeah. First of all, I'm so happy you have at least one honest listener that they're struggling because we all are struggling in that none of us are already finished products. You know, none of us show up as parents, finished products. I sort of think that that's partially why Hashem makes it that infants need us to feed them and burp them and put them to bed, but don't necessarily need us to like, you know, to, for them to be able to confide in us, in in our feelings. But we sort of have like, we grow as we become parents and like probably the time our kids need us the most emotionally is as they grow more and more. And we actually have this opportunity to grow. So. It's healthy to be involved in our own growth and developing health. Everyone has a different starting point, you know, and struggles in different levels and areas, but the process of struggling is actually the process we actually want our kids to be involved in. Our kids aren't Mm -hmm. going to be perfect, just like we aren't perfect, just like there hasn't been anybody, the people that Hashem said that never sinned, you know, and that's only, you know, notable by the fact that they also didn't sin because they probably could have sinned, meaning that none of us, right, none right. of us um, are finished. We all are in the struggle, which means that our kids are going to see us struggle. Like there's no one who knows our struggles more than maybe our spouse and our kids. You know, mm-hmm. they know the best. They know better than probably true. therapists. Very true. They know where, right. when we're about to lose it. They know what things we're, we're sensitive about, which things we're insecure about, which things we feel guilty on. Later on, they're going to use those things to help us develop more <laughs> to know even more about right. what things we should work on, where we need to develop more honesty and more process and more everything because.
1: Yeah. The biggest muster is, is our own children and like yeah. our own de- dealings with our children. Totally.
0: Yeah. So I would say the best thing you could do for your pack, for your child, as far as modeling emotional health is be a growing person. Like mm-hmm. um, letting our kids See, I am dedicated to improving myself. That there's nothing better than we can give them, like, right? You know, so so I actually have um, a WhatsApp group, and today we were talking about on the group um, different parenting models. And so, like, some people say, like, what do I do if my spouse has a different parenting model than I do? If they're more, you know, mm. I want to empathize, but they're saying, like, oh, come on, shape up, you know, like get your act together. Get right. off <laughs> stop crying. And we're like, "What? No, you're supposed to empathize. Why are you doing that? Right, you're right. Mess them up. You know? And so we were talking about how like kids also grow from, first of all, what they don't want. So they see like, oh, well, I don't want to do that because I didn't like how that felt. So then mm-hmm. they learn, okay, I don't want to do right, that. To right. parents, or, I don't want to do that to my friends. Or, I don't, you know, the, there's, an, we don't have to be perfect in order for our kids to grow. So they might not think that we're perfect. So tell them, they know, (laughs) we don't have to hide that we're not perfect, but we do want to be the best model. What could we be a model in? Let me be a model with uh, showing them that I can acknowledge when I made a mistake. I can apologize when I made a Mm -hmm. mistake. I just did something that was painful to you and I'm so sorry that I caused you pain. What was that like for you? Oh my gosh, I'm hearing even more about this pain. And that's actually going to help motivate us to even be better parents. Because now we un- we're in a relationship with our child and we see how it's impacting them. Uh, Tamar- Dr. Tamar Perlman talks about this, like how in a relationship, uh, you're able to make so much more progress because you see immediately the response and the reaction that it has in a child. So
1: we oh, don't have to be
0: afraid. We just have to be honestly present in what's going on. Um, Right, you know, she actually one time uh, gave this muscle of like uh, a ch- a parent who is blind and is using a cane to you know find their way around. Beautiful, they didn't figure out a way to function. Now, while they're trying to find their way around, they keep on accidentally hitting their kid's leg because they're trying to find their way around and their kids around. Right. Now that parent right. is not trying to hurt their kid; they're not. Also, the kid has bruises, but they're not right. trying to. It's not right. right. malicious. Right. We're not trying to be you know anxious or depressed or uh struggle mm. with you know wow. finding the right problem. river that yeah, she's amazing yeah. i highly recommend if anyone can listen to anything that she does you should <laughs> i learned so much from her um but the child also has a bruise so it's important for us to discuss our child's bruises with them we say like oh like oh my gosh i lost control and i felt overwhelmed and i was trying to you know and i should have taken a deep breath i'm so sorry like how did you feel when I screamed at you? Was it scary for you? Mm. Were you feeling? Like, how were you feeling? Oh my gosh. Now right. we can also model for them what that looks like not to like be stuck in guilt. Like I don't have to beat myself up. I'm not a bad person because I screamed at my child. It means that I made a mistake. I really made a mistake. I hurt my child. I screamed at them. They have a bruise. Didn't try. I wasn't trying. My intention wasn't let me hurt my child. Sometimes we're so aggravated. We feel like I want to bother. I my, my want them to learn already. <laughs> maybe if I yell at them, I, maybe if they're sad enough, but that's not really our intention. Our intention is for them to do whatever it is that we want them to do. Our intention isn't, you know, right. we're trying to get around. Right. We're using our cane, but we keep on bumping into our kid in the way in their, their head mm. bruises. So we have the capacity to model. What does Chuba look like? Okay. We admit, I screamed at you. I hit you. I pushed you a little bit too hard into that car. I, you know, grabbed your arm a little too roughly over there. Uh, Vidoy, right? Mm -hmm. And Harata, I'm so sorry to have hurt you. And you can even hear them. Let them process their experience. Let them hear what does that look like. You're doing the best thing you could do for them because they are going to make mistakes in their life and their relationships. And now they'll know how to correct it. How not to go into lot, you know, denial, not to go into blame or guilt or depression, or they don't know what to do. So, if you're struggling with your own emotional health, now you have an opportunity to be the best parent because your child is a human being, also. And Robert sure. Green from uh, Phoenix, or Shimon Green, he talks about how, like, you know, sometimes people will be like, "Oh, the parent had bipolar, and then the child had bipolar. Oh, like oh, it runs mm-hmm. in their family," and he's like please. Like, Hashem doesn't need genetics. That child needed a parent who had bipolar. So that parent was the best Mm. person to understand this child. It's not accidental. Hashem doesn't have like cards like, oh, let me throw that one wild card. You know, no. Hashem says this child needs this parent's empathy because they will understand it. Or maybe the parent needs this child to be like, oh my gosh, like I, my child didn't ask for this diagnosis or this challenge I also didn't and they might have compassion for their child then right. we teach them to have compassion for themselves it's a whole it's it's Hashem does it perfectly you don't have to feel like oh if I right. have an issue and that's I'm
1: like not- the concept yeah. right and like that's the concept of like the apple doesn't fall far from the tree because like our children are going to be very similar to us and therefore we can help them as they go through the same struggles that maybe we have and help them to like perfect themselves in those areas they're not necessarily perfect because like perfect, we're
0: not perfect yourself. No, but yeah, perfect. We're, try, we're trying to, we're trying to be as Hashem-like as possible. That we are, we're, that we're always trying to do that. And that's, and yet Hashem gave us these, these ways to actually make it meaningful. That, that accomplishment is meaningful because we have struggle, because we have challenges. And it reframes the whole thing.
1: Totally. And what, and what, like, what would you say should a parent do when they say they realize that their issues that they're dealing with, like, let's say, you know, as a child, they were so unheard. You know, or the, as a child, they were so ignored or they always felt so overwhelmed, so you know, and then that's impacting their parenting right now, so obviously not, not, not necessarily that it's something that their child is dealing with, but that their issues that they you know are, are like so like deeply rooted in them are now impacting their parenting. So then what do you do?
0: Yeah, their starting point is at a different place than maybe their friends in this area in this area. it's a place right. where you might have to work harder, or they might have to do more therapy or more. Uh, role playing, or talk mm-hmm. it out with a dear friend, or a uh, rub, or somebody that can help them process. And they could do role playing, and they can ask their their spouse for support. And you know, being in that interplay with the honesty of we are all growing, we are all part of the journey. It's not you know, it's not bad when we struggle. It's our this is the moment. This is the moment when we talk about learning how to have you know self control, like Gitzchak and learning how to, it's like a Vino or like, this is the moment that I'm practicing that. This is the this is the struggle right here. It's hard to feel love because my parent didn't feel love. It's hard to feel um, patience because my parent was a patient. It's hard for me to feel, uh, identify emotions because my parent didn't identify their emotions, whatever it is. That is your your Akeda. That's where you are going to right. be learning and exploring and take the time to take care of yourself. Like. We, it is yeah, always yeah. there's a self and the other, and um, the more that we're okay with it, the more that we're like, oh, that has, as much as we are aware of our process and 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 being involved in who we are as selves, and then who we are as parents, and um, it's it's just, really it's exciting because we are able to achieve things we never would have achieved without our child. We're able to like yeah, find so places inside of our yeah, like I'm, I'm my own journey as a parent. I'm like, oh. I never thought I could give my lick of my ice cream. I like ice cream. I never thought I could be that, you know, giving or caring. Like, I never thought that I could, like, allow my whole dress that I just put on for this hasana to get ruined and, like, still think my kid is cute. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't know that I had that bandwidth. And, like, probably I didn't when I started out. But, like, as we learn and develop ourselves and, um... Our internal skills—it's—it's it's beautiful and it's exciting, and we can go, you know, bungee jumping in our in our world of beyond where we ever could have, or whatever it is. I'm totally. um, if you're wrong, yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> totally, you know, totally.
0: You never, you never thought you could, <laughs> and it's one and it's happy and it's joyful, yeah. and that's how it could be for our kids also when we see it like that.
1: It's amazing, amazing. So many incredible, incredible points. Um, As we end off, is there any final message that you would like to share on, you know, the practical aspects of how to raise a socially, emotionally, uh, an emotionally healthy child?
0: The thing I'm thinking of whenever we want to do anything in life, not specific to parenting is tefillah, And Mm. it really is the case. It really is the case that we want to have help for, you know, trying to not yell the next time or trying to be able to notice something good about my child who's literally, you know, Poking at all of my sensitivities that I had as a kid, or yeah. all my things, tefillah is the place to start. First, start with tefillah, and you can always, you know, from there. There's so many skills you can learn. There's so many tools that are available um, to for coaching or taking courses or learning things. That there's so much available, so much available to help support you. You don't have to do it alone, but for sure, you don't have to do it without Hashem. He, you know, he he's, he didn't, none of it's a mistake. None of your child's challenges are a mistake. None of your challenges are a mistake. And it's all, it's all just connected back to him, bring it to him and ask him for help in every part of it. That, that's what I would say. That's an actionable step to take now. Amazing.
1: Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so, so much. You have so much wisdom. And, you know, I know you mentioned that you have a WhatsApp group and you have so many, you know, you have so many different opportunities. So people should definitely sh- check out the the show notes to find out more. And if you want to mention, you know, any any other opportunities, um, you know, if, if you have anything else that you want to share or, you know, you could share it in the show notes, totally up to you. But uh, thank you. Thank you. This was truly incredible.
0: I, really my pleasure. Is it It's uh, so special to be able to, again, if you're still listening, that means like how much dedication did you have to listen to the whole thing? So- Yashar koach to you for your desire to grow and your desire to uh, be bigger and better and help your kids. What a beautiful chesed that you could do for another neshama, another person. And um, if there's, you know, if there's anything that I can be supportive to you, if you'd want coaching, if you'd want to take any of the courses that I offer, um, if you have questions about it, you can email me, Miriam at skillsforconnection.com, and we can uh, set up a time to talk. at Selah
1: Amazing. Thank you so, so much. And, uh, have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The Jews Next Door. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. I'd love to hear your takeaways. Reach out to us. Reach out to me at yair at genoff.org. Hi at genoff.org. You can check us out on the website. You could leave a question there. We'd love to be in touch. Please be in touch. Check us out on Instagram at ParentingTheJewsNextDoor. Hit me up on Twitter at Yair Manchel. And we got, we're got we on TikTok now, too. We have some great content, a lot of really great insights into parenting, tips, parenting pointers, reaction videos, and quotes. We have a lot going on. We have a lot of articles. Y- you want to check it out. Check it out at genoff.org. You won't be sorry you did. And I look forward to hearing from you. And if you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, make sure you subscribe and share it with your family and friends. Looking forward to another great episode next week.